This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production. Biggest thing we can do is just get stops and run. Stops and run, guys. Push, push, push every time. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikbeam. Tackles everything about the world of sports, especially the one close to the host heart. Basketball. Updates, discussion, clarification, name it. Extra session has it. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikbeam. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 21 of Extra Session with Kiko Malikdem here in Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate, Philippines. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us a former PBA player, last played for the Pure Foods franchise. He was on his way to become one of the reliable players off the bench when an unfortunate accident happened that stopped his entire universe. Here with us today to talk about his career, life, and his eventual bounce back, and also his book coming out next month. Drafted in the 2003 PBA Rookie Draft as the 15th pick overall, Mr. Eugene Tejada. Hi, Eugene. Hi. Good day. Hi. Thank <laughs> yes. you for having me. Uh, it's good to uh, be back in front of the Philippine audience. It's been a long time, but uh, I'm glad to share my story and ha- have a nice conversation with you. Yes. So uh, how are you doing right now, especially with this COVID thing affecting the lives of everyone worldwide? It's been hard. It's been really hard, you know, being stuck at home. But after my accident, um, I think I was prepared for this because I was home a lot right after my accident. I was in the hospital for almost seven, eight months. Um, And then when I got home, I had to transition into becoming a man in a wheelchair. So that was not easy and a lot of depression. So I was at home a lot. So I'm a little used to this. But now that I have a family and Mm -hmm. kids, it's been hard. It's been really hard. I see. So for the benefit of our younger followers, you know, uh, how did you actually start playing basketball? Uh, I started at a really young age. My father uh, was a professional basketball player there in, in the Philippines during the Mika mm-hmm. days with San Miguel. He played San Beda, was mm-hmm. on the national team. So he's, I've always known about Philippine basketball. Obviously, in the States, I, I grew mm-hmm. up in uh, the Bay Area, uh, actually mm-hmm. Hayward, California. and. Uh, I started to play basketball and got a lot of recognition, especially in the Philadelphia community. Obviously, I tried to make it to the NBA, but, you know, that was really hard at that time. Mm-hmm. But I had a second uh, uh, backup plan, which was the Philippines. Obviously, I'm a Filipino citizen, and my parents were born 
when I was born, I was still a, uh, they were still Filipino citizens, so I had a dual citizenship. So it gave me the opportunity to play there. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, through my high school, I was getting uh, recruited from uh, from Coach Jong with when he was still with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Bernal used to give me calls for Ateneo. But being young and dumb, being real delinquent back then, my parents were like, no way you're going to the Philippines. <laughs> uh, especially, they always say, oh, you might get hurt. But uh, And obviously, look what happened. I still got hurt <laughs> four years later after yeah. not accepting scholarships to Ateneo or LaSalle. So... Who, how were you able to bring your talents to the Philippines? Were you invited by some teams? Or was it your family who pushed you to try your luck here? Uh, like I said, uh, playing professional basketball was always a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain situations, a uh, situation happened in college where a coach was getting, uh, got fired and I didn't mm-hmm. want to start all over. And uh, um, Bobby Rios, who brought in like the oh. first Philhams, yeah, I don't know yeah. if people know Bobby Rios. Yes. I'm really close friends with his son, Robbie, who actually played in the South. Bobby uh, was mm-hmm. the agent for Danny, Andy Siegel. Uh, and a lot, Alasco, of <laughs> a lot of imports. A lot of imports. So, yeah, yeah. Like back, in the, back, in the, back in the day, he was one of the first uh, agents. And he, uh, I told him I'm ready to go. And he goes, all right, let's get this paperwork in. And you know you're, you're legitimate. Uh, let's do it. And uh, <laughs> two weeks later, I was in the Philippines. I see. So, how do you, who do you actually look up to as your basketball idols growing up? Uh, no one necessarily in the PBA. I would say Scotty Pippen. Oh, uh, that's yeah. why I wore the number thirty-three. Uh, mm, coming okay. from the Bay Area, I'm a big Golden State Warriors fan. So, uh, T- Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, and run DMT. Uh, obviously, <laughs> yeah, Run TC and uh, uh, Chris Mullen. Um, but uh, definitely, uh, Scotty Pippen was uh, someone I looked up to. Uh, kind of. I almost felt like I kind of played the same way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I tethered my game around him. Like really, you know, can shoot, can defend, and uh, mm-hmm. an over, overall uh, all-around player. I see. So Scotty Pippen for sure. Okay, I see. Good to find out because basically uh, when you were playing, you, you got your playing time in Purefoods, you, we actually got the glimpse of how you could produce. And basically you're one of the reliable players of Coach Ryan Gregorio back then. Now – yeah. You were drafted in 03 by Alaska, if I'm not mistaken, like what I said, second round. Uh, however, you weren't an instant hit back then. What, what do you think happened? How, how was the experience uh, in the rookie season? The rookie season was really hard. Uh, this was the first time in my career or in my life. Mm-hmm. Just in college and high school, was ne- uh, never part of a rotation, never really set the bench, and it took a lot. A hit on my ego and uh mm-hmm. i explained it in my book where i put all my eggs in one basket uh with basketball i put everything all my effort i didn't concentrate in school i don't have any other skills uh i had a dis- i had learning disabilities i had dyslexia and adhd so it was really hard mm-hmm. but i really flourished in basketball but when i got to alaska it was a very humbling experience and uh being young and uh having no family there just being surrounded by the the glitz and glam of Manila, you know, the going out <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So basically, instead of becoming a superstar on the basketball team, I kind of became superstar of the nightlife over there. And uh, I, I really lost my way. Mm. And I was very uh, not very motivated, uh, especially because I really tried really hard and I played really well in practice. Mm-hmm. But uh, being very young, Coach Tim had a lot of uh, veterans ahead of me. They had John Arrigo, Rob Duat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ray Nohugnaten was my draft, but he's he was known already from 
I think was it NBA days? Yes, NBA, NBA. Oh wait, well he was no, he was on Coca Cola. I'm sorry, uh, but mm-hmm. no, I had Rob do a lot, and I just never had an opportunity to play uh, until I got finally got to Pure Foods three years later. But I had a short stint in San Miguel, nice. which they wanted me to stay. But <laughs> sitting behind Danny Siegel and Danny I, I was like, I'm never gonna play here. So let's get. And Coach Johnson, so do you still want to get traded? Yes. <laughs> I see. So, actually, that was my next question. You found your way to the Pure Foods franchise. I mean, it was a blessing in disguise as you were able to show your skills and get the playing time that you really wanted. So, yeah. basically, you were traded, right? Yeah, I was traded from San Miguel to Pure Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually with Pure Foods uh, the conference before as a practice player, just trying to make a team because mm-hmm. uh, I was traded to shell and then shell uh, debunked. There were no more, there was no more shell. <laughs> so I was trying to find my way around the team, but just not having a name and not having an opportunity to show my uh, skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went to coach Ryan and I said, Hey, can I uh, try out? And he told me like, oh, there's, there's no way you're going to make the team work full. But during that uh, training camp, and that preseason, I actually played really well, mm-hmm. like where he had to sign me. And they were about to sign me. But since San Miguel owns Pure Foods and, they, and San Miguel has seen the practice games and all the, the <laughs> preseason, they said, we'll take him. And then Coach Ryan said, for what? For nothing. Coach, Coach uh, Boss Nong, Robert Nong said, no, you, Eugene's going to San Miguel because Don Don Ontiveros was injured at the time. Yes. And they need someone to spill. Uh, to be there for a little bit. But I did play a little bit for uh, San Miguel, and I started to show my uh, game. But then once Don Don came back, right back to the bench. See. So, so it was then, really hard. It was yeah. really hard. But then I, as to finish the story, I get back I get to San Miguel. Uh, mm-hmm. Pure Foods, I'm sorry. And then I didn't play the first two games, and I kind of mentioned something, and I said something where it got back to Coach Ryan, and he goes, Oh, I think you have a problem with my coaching skills. I said, no, no, we were getting blown out. We were had a game again in Hong Kong versus Talking Text, and I'm like, no, I was just telling Coach Pat, like we were getting blown out. You didn't even give me a chance, uh-huh. you know. And then he said, okay, so next game you're gonna start. I was, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that game, I be that first game I ever started for Pure Foods. I was player of the game, and I never wow. set the bench after that. <laughs> so it was, it you was, know, everything fell. I mean, yeah, I, I always knew <laughs> I always knew I can play, and especially if a coach gave me a confidence, mm-hmm. I knew I can play in the PBA. I just mm-hmm. needed the confidence of a coach where I, when I played, I, I wasn't worried about any mistakes. Yeah, just free flow game. Mm-hmm. I mean, as any player could tell you, like if they're worried about getting out of the game, they're not going to play well. And that, I think that's how it was for me in the last. But Coach Ryan kind of said, "All right, let me see. You had something wrong with my coaching style. Let me see what you can do." Player of the game. What did Coach Ryan tell you after? <laughs> oh, he was no, he was just like nothing. He just kept playing me because we won. We we were winning. Yeah. They couldn't take me out. <laughs> but then I had an ankle injury, mm-hmm. and then I, my first game back from the ankle injury was the game on Mother's Day, two thousand six, yes. where I broke my neck. Ah, oh, now that's we're going to that. Uh, I mean, incident right now. So. Mm-hmm. All of this basketball dreams came to halt May 14, 2006, Mother's Day in Ara Center. Can, could you still recall the sequence of events that led to that accident? What yeah, was the I, feeling at the time and how actually did you feel? 
Okay, yeah. Uh, so we were getting blown out by uh, in the fourth quarter. But if we would have won that game, we mm-hmm. went into semis. But like I said, I was coming back from an ankle injury. And Coach mm-hmm. Ryan even asked me, do you want to go back in? And I'm like, yeah, let me just get the – let me get my win back. Let me get the rhythm back, even though we're losing. So, mm-hmm. And I played well the, when I went back in. I scored like maybe, I think, two or four points in a row. Yeah. And then at, a minute later, after my last basket, I uh, went up for a rebound. Roger Yap was driving to the lane. Mm-hmm. He got fouled. I got the rebound. Someone undercut me. And that's, while I was undercut, Mick Panisi fell on my neck and broke my C5, C6. And we all know how big Mick, Mick, yeah, Mick yeah, Panisi yeah. is. Yes. He is, so what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, maybe 260, 270. Uh-huh. But uh, it's, a, it's a play I've done millions of times, thousands of times in my career, mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid. You know, you, you – you scramble for the loose ball and he just landed right on my neck. I think he hit the perfect, perfect spot, which broke my C5, C6, which felt like, uh, just like I use this metaphor a lot, like how a computer crashes, like, or, or short circuit your house. So like you, uh-huh. you know, you short circuit your house. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. I felt like my hands were by my feet and my, my feet were by my ears and a lot of electricity. Our body, our body is electricity. So you can feel like shock moving. And all of a sudden it turned off like a light switch and I couldn't move a thing. I see. And I was stuck on the floor. I mean, the video, you know, we were we were seeing it. Uh, I I could still remember because I'm a, well, back then I'm a big Pure Foods fan before I went sure. into, you know, into sports casting and, I mean, sports writing. I was a big Pure Foods fan. So I was, you know, following sure. the games. And I saw that. And when the, the cameras uh, focused on you and you were crying, I said to myself, oh, no, this is something, you know, unusual, something bad has happened. Because seldom that you could see a player crying. And, yeah. I, I, and based on the replays, you know, something is really wrong with it. Yeah. What were you saying? Yeah, you were saying something about, I mean, during that time. I, yeah, I, I, I remember everything. People always ask, do you remember? I remember like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I, I instantly knew I was paralyzed. And I said, I can't feel. I can't feel. And the crazy thing, people ask, were you in pain? No, it felt like a stiff neck. The fear was I couldn't move. Like mm-hmm. I was stuck. And I, uh, uh, and I knew I was paralyzed. The reason why I knew I was paralyzed, obviously I can't feel. But surprisingly enough, uh, I was reading the Christopher Reeves book, who, who played Superman yes, back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he had a catastrophic injury. Uh, horse, uh, he was Horseback right. Yeah, and he was basically decapitated by his horse, and he mm. was paralyzed. And I was reading that book at that time. I, I, I always talk about that, like how crazy that is. I'm reading about a, book, a man who was paralyzed, and now I'm paralyzed. Oh, yeah. So I instantly knew. So mm. those tears were not tears of pain. Those tears are t- uh, tears of fear. I knew my career was over. I see. So some people were quick to point fingers at Mick Penisi because maybe of his late reaction of falling to you, well, actually, this, this one was, you know, was this question also shown by, you know, one of the followers, Farley Aguila. He, he, he said, you know, he wanted to know if, you know, what was your feeling towards Mick? And, and uh, of course, because of that incident, because of his late reaction, probably, of falling to you, how did you honestly felt a few days after towards Mick? Uh, a lot of anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, but me being a very empathetic person, uh, mm-hmm. I had to n- 
he said he didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I have to take his word for that. Um, mm-hmm. But we all know Nick. We all know Mick. Mm-hmm. Mick, uh, Mick was one, one of those dudes you knew he was there. Yeah, whether he with his weight, his elbows, or just the way he played, but mm-hmm. I didn't find I didn't ask him that maybe to five years later. But a lot the whole time I kept saying, "Why me?" Not necessarily what why did Mick do this to me? Mm-hmm. Just the whole situation. Like yes. you asked, like why me? Why does this have to happen? What did, did I do to deserve this? Uh, like was I a bad person? Mm-hmm. I, I never I never felt like I wasn't. You can ask any PBA player or anybody in the yes. media. Like I, I was never known to be uh hard-headed or mean yes, to yes. anyone uh-huh. um i had a good reputation and i felt mm-hmm. like uh my parents brought me up very humble but mm-hmm. you always question that like i mean it can it happens anyway people can have cancer strokes mm-hmm. and you can't measure anyone's problems you just always ask, ask the question why me yes. but no uh anything towards mick right away obviously frustration hurt and um always wondering if he knew I was there. But yeah. like I said, I didn't know the answer until maybe three, four years later when I went back to the Philippines for the first time after the accident. I see. So he did reach out to you? Uh, he did not necessarily reach out to me. A funny story, uh, Tony Delacruz, who I became really close after mm-hmm. the accident, uh, mm-hmm. told me a story how he was on the national team with uh, Mick okay. and Kirby, and they were sitting in the back of the plane, and Kirby had asked him out of the blue, like, why did you do that to you, G? Mm. And then Tony, Tony's sitting in the back like, oh, <laughs> right, right yeah. here. And then he goes, what do you mean, Kirby? Or like, what do you mean? Do you think I did this on purpose? I didn't do this. I didn't know he was there. <laughs> okay. But, you know, you have to question that just based on uh, Mick's uh, reputation. Mm. And then um, when I came to visit, uh, Tony had told me that story. And he said, would you want to go to Mick's house? Mm-hmm. We were having dinner. It was me, Willie Wilson, and Brandon Kovably. Yes. We all went to dinner, and he just added the blue. Tony asked me, would you want to see him? So he texted him, and they were like, mm-hmm. yeah. He said, yeah, come over. Mm-hmm. Then we talked, and I asked him, hey, man, I have to ask, did you know or did you do it on purpose? I mean, you, you can tell me the truth, or just tell me the truth. And he said he didn't know I was there. Mm-hmm. Now, do I believe him? Of course, I have to take his word for us, or else I'll be prisoner to this and unforgiveness mm-hmm. forever. Yes, and yes. if it's his, if it's his issue of lying to me, which I don't believe, but if it was his, this is my thinking back then mm-hmm. that he has to carry that for the rest of his life, not me. Yes. Now, uh, after that accident, you know, your basketball dreams obviously were shattered, and thinking i mean what were you thinking when you woke up after that accident uh i, ne- I never passed out I, I remember everything every situation uh going in uh being on the floor for so long there was no ambulance there was a typhoon mm-hmm. there was a typhoon and their ambulance left and i think now i'm the road there's always an ambulance now till this day at the pba games probably yeah. because of me <laughs> because you know with a spinal cord injury every second counts yes anywhere else in the world i believe I mean, i'm not going to point fingers but i believe that mm-hmm. uh if i would have got hurt anywhere else in the world they would have mm-hmm. helicoptered me somewhere yes but that was not the case in manila did you have some bad feelings on that day before going to the venue or you have eerie feelings that some eerie feel you yeah. know surprisingly yeah uh i didn't have eerie feelings yeah but it was a sunday afternoon game in antipolo 
and I, I didn't do my regular routine of going to to my diner where I have breakfast every morning. Mm-hmm. The same waiter gives me, he knows my meal. He gives me the remote for the TV. It was Mel's, uh, is it Mel's Dine? Metro Dine. Is it Metro or Mel's Dine? It's probably not there anymore in Rockwell. I would go there and then after that breakfast, I would go and get like a dessert from Starbucks. And that day I didn't do it because uh, my sister was graduating from college. So I gave them a call instead and talked to my family instead of going to, to breakfast. And my girlfriend at the time was there at my house. So I was just like, ah, let's just skip it this day. Not an eerie feeling, just I didn't go do my usual routine. Yes. yes. And I sometimes, I always thought about that. Like, why didn't I I just go to breakfast over there? I do it every game day. Mm -hmm. So nothing eerie, just broke, Mm. broke my superstition. Yeah. So have you watched the replay or have you tried avoiding seeing that clip? Uh, when I first got hurt, I wanted to see it. When once I mm-hmm. saw it, I didn't want to see it again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's an interview on YouTube I did for uh, the PBA. Oh, yeah. At, I remember. at their studio. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I saw the accident all the way mm-hmm. through, all the way through seeing my face. And that was hard. I see. And after that trip, I didn't see it again until maybe when I, maybe like maybe a couple months ago when I was like, all right, now I, I got to write about it again. So I watched it mm. and, and it, it's still painful to watch. And uh, I just shared it on my Instagram and Facebook. And then people are messaging me like, it's so hard to watch. And I go, I, I agree it is because uh, you see man there crying, mm-hmm. motionless. Yes. And uh, just a lot of uh, memories come back, and me looking at the video helped me write my book. Nice. Hel- actually, helped me heal and write my book. Yeah. Now, th- did the your team, the Pure Foods franchise, or let's say the PBA Players Group, help you out with your rehabilitation? Pure Foods is great. They uh, they accommodated me. They paid for the surgery. You know, I wasn't a high played player. And, uh, you know, they treated me like I was one, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, the next year I would have been one of the high-paid players because we've already <laughs> talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already knew, I already knew I was going to resign with Pure Foods mm-hmm. <clears throat> because of my, I was having a, a great conference and they were talking about me being most improved just from that one conference because yes. I was averaging <laughs> zero to 15 and eight. Agree. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we were already talking. There's no way they were going to let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, no, it was our. What was the question again? Sorry. Was uh, that, oh, oh. Well, I mean, did the Pure Foods franchise? Oh, Pure Foods, up- yeah. oh, yes, they took care of me. Great. They flew me back to the States. Uh, but after that, it was all on me. And uh, yeah. that's the hard part going back to the States with no insurance. Mm-hmm. They gave me a little bit of money. Uh, there was a foundation. Uh, uh, a foundation that started by Sarah Myers and uh, Jack mm-hmm. Forrester, LJ. Yes. A lot of my artista friends and uh, uh, they and some of the PBA players did a fundraiser and they raised maybe, I think, $20,000 to mm-hmm. help with my rehab. And uh, I think Pure Foods helped me a lot while I was there. Yes. And this 20000 from my fr- uh, friends I that see. were in the industry did a fundraiser. And made for, and and I think they played a celebrity basketball game. I'm pretty sure they did, and they called mm-hmm. it Step by Step Foundation, Eugene Tejada. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for them to help. But after that, it was all on me, and it, 
that was hard. I, 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 I made pretty good money, but when you get hurt and going back to the States with no insurance, mm-hmm. I lost all that money. Yeah. Basically uh, just, you, you decided, you said you went to the state after a few months. Was this the recommendation of your doctor or a family de- decision? It was my decision. There was no way. I was seeing what potential kind of therapy there was mm-hmm. in the States compared to Manila. I had to go to give myself a chance. Uh, I think I remember Pierfoot saying, if you stay here, we'll pay for your therapy forever. And maybe like a, like a, contract i think that i am not gonna get i'm not i don't i think they did that Mm -hmm. for me but i was like no so they cut me a check and they said all right well this is what will help you with if you're gonna leave Mm -hmm. so i left i decided to leave and uh tried my best in the states but then once i got to the states i realized they weren't training me to get better they were training me to basically be in a wheelchair so that was hard so 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 basically yeah i knew my, my career was I knew my career was over, but there was always that little bit of hope. But when you see the kind of training that mm-hmm. they're actually training you to do, you're like, oh, this might not, this might never get better. I see. And yeah. So uh, this is a personal question, but sure. what could have been done differently at that time of that accident to somehow lessen the impact or pain you had? Um, like I said, the hell, no ambulance. Yes. Uh, when you break your neck, uh, every second counts because blood rushes through the spinal cord mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it kind of floods the nerves. Mm-hmm. And then I think every second that went by scar tissue developed and that's what I was stuck with. And I've healed miraculously healed a lot Yes. Uh, compared to the, the, what the doctor said, uh, 4% chance of ever walking. I walk now with crutches. Mm-hmm. Just, I always imagine, like, what if their ambulance was there? Or what if there was a helicopter to take me? What if I had immediate attention? Where where would I be? Yes. And we'll never know the answer to that because there wasn't one. I, I think, uh, I'm not sure. I'm just trying to recall things. But I think Governor Pardo, Rene Pardo, was very frustrated because there's no ambulance in that area. Yeah. And it was, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to tell one part of the story. Yeah. That, uh, team officials brought out some uh plywood and said let's just put them here and roll them back to the uh to the uh to the locker room so we can continue playing and mr pardo and dr sanchez rafi sanchez of pure foods Hmm. said no we can't move him yes yes thank god they didn't because who knows (laughs) if they if someone tried to like they try to carry with plywood and actually drop me i could have i you know what i could have actually if it was just a uh maybe a centimeter or maybe half a centimeter higher. Yes. I could have suffocated there. You know, I would have lost my ability to breathe because uh, I think that's more of the two and I'm only in what five, six. So that's like less than that. So yeah. if I would have, if, if it would have hit there, I would have died on the floor. I see. Yeah. Because I, I could, you know, I, I saw governor Pardo kicking something because he's very angry. <laughs> like something like that. That, that was the plywood. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for clarifying that because, you know, you could see he, he is very, you know, uh, concerned with what's happening to you. Uh, yeah. So uh, were you able to talk to your, you know, former teammates about it? Did they, did they you know, uh, reach out to you and ask how are you uh, doing? Yeah. 
um, as teammates wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person that kind of kept in contact was Kirby. He he actually even came to the states and visited me at the rehab center. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after the season, he came, and mm-hmm. uh, but no, not not necessarily anyone on my, that team. But uh, a lot of te- players from the pat other teams. I see. Uh, like Danny Siegel was a uh, was there all the time with mm-hmm. me, always checking up on me. Harvey Carey and Jimmy Olapog nice. are two of my mm-hmm. best friends there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never left my side. They they call every week, almost every week, just to see how I am. Every time mm-hmm. they visit the states, they buy me a plane ticket to meet them up anywhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. So and uh, John Ardonio, Rob Duwat is actually from my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both we both went to the same high school, so we still had a great uh, relationship during that time. And he was w- one of the guys that I leaned on the most, yes. because he had retired from the PBA and then he was home, so he was he was around a lot. But no one um, really, except except uh, Kirby in the beginning. Mm-hmm. After that, it was just the friendships that I had before I went on Pure Foods with Rob, um, Jim, Jimmy, and Harvey. Mostly, mostly those three. I see. And Tony, and once I got, once I visited the first time, back me and Tony Dela Cruz uh, had a uh, really good relationship. I see. Now, what was the challenges or struggles that you faced when you were rehabilitating, or how was the recovery for you? Uh, the recovery was really hard. Mostly, not the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. It was more the emotional, the loss, uh, the the anger, the pain. A lot of the emotional stuff that i had to deal with nothing really the physical i knew that i was paralyzed mm-hmm. uh, i only can try my best to get better and uh but more than anything it was the emotional healing uh mm-hmm. that i needed to that was hard i was very depressed my uh my girlfriend left me in a cruel way i mean it'll be in the book i don't really want to talk about it uh but yeah she left me um, I was seeing my friends do well and a lot of jealousy and hate because uh, mm, I felt like that should have been me. I should still be playing. I was in my prime. I was getting all these endorsements starting to come in and, you know, all those things, those perks that you dream of as a kid when you become a basketball player was all gone and you saw people that you felt like uh, I felt like I was better than getting all those things and that was hard. Just seeing people be so happy while I'm so such in a dark place and being a prisoner in my own body because I can't move. So that was really hard. Mm-hmm. How were you able to cope up with the sudden changes in your life? Uh, and it was, uh, how to cope is, uh, my friends, family, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, they stepped up and I found out who my real friends were. Um, you feel like you have millions of thousands of friends when you're in Manila, but when adversity hits, the real ones actually stepped up. And my real friends back home, yeah, yeah. Uh, they stepped up. And uh, my parents, you know, they my dad retired just to take me to therapy. My mom worked extra just to help me pay uh, pay for mm-hmm. therapy. My sister was a big emotional boost for me. I, I leaned on her. She, you know, kept me try to keep me emotionally strong, but it was, it was my battle to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would say community and uh, friendships and relationships that uh, stuck around was actually helped me cope the most. I see. Uh, yeah. And then uh, were you able to, you know, check the PBA games lately? What, what do you think are the changes that you saw in today's game compared to the, you know, 
your playing days? Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not in tune with the PBA too much. I just asked mm -hmm. Jimmy and Harvey, like, how are you guys doing now that they're mm -hmm. almost retired and not playing that much? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't tell me much. They don't tell me much. Uh, so you try but, to avoid uh, yeah. watching basketball, you know? <laughs> not, I don't avoid watching basketball. I watched it, but there's a Laker game on right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, I love basketball still, but just PBA, I kind of like went away from it because it, it was hard to watch. It was hard to see mm. uh, people, people doing well. And I hated that. And the, the hardest part is I'm not, I hated to be a hater. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you know yes. that, what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't want to hate that they're doing well. It's just, it could have been you. So <laughs> it, it, that should have been me. Yeah. But it was so hard because I has such an un unfortunate in incident that, mm -hmm never happened before and it still hasn't happened since except i think i heard one person in cebu was playing against alaska i think woodrow enriquez maybe okay. i don't know he got paralyzed as well ah, woodrow enriquez. Yeah, yeah, yes so mm -hmm. uh, yeah i um so it, it was just a free guess so it was hard to see yes. people do well when i was stuck in my depression and dark days how were you ever i mean you know it's obvious obviously you, you will feel bad about yourself uh, a lot of what ifs and like what you said depression kicks in mm -hmm. how were you able to you know um avoid you know avoid it or beat depression i i, I know it's you know it's pretty hard but you know it seems that you have a formula for you to you know to defeat it something like that uh, there's there's a formula for everyone they just have to tap into it and i found that in jesus christ i wasn't looking for my faith my faith mm -hmm. found me yes. i was actually working with a clairvoyant in the new holistic new age kind of feel because uh for some reason i didn't look to jesus first but she taught me how to meditate and uh learn how to be still mm -hmm. And as I, I was meditating, when she taught, she taught me, and I heard a voice like how we're just talking right now. I'm the one mm -hmm. healing it. I and I was like, what was that? Right? Like, it was like, what was that? So mm -hmm. then I, for some reason, I had a Bible given to me from, you know, from the Philippines. Someone, so many people visit. I don't know who gave me this Bible. And I opened it to the Bible for mm -hmm. the first time in who knows how long. And it opens up to Jesus, heals a paralytic. Mm -hmm. and I felt like God was talking to me because he's the one that was healing me. And then, like I said, uh, I healed a lot those first few months uh, when I got back to therapy. But I wasn't really trying because I was so depressed. But I was healing miraculously. Nice. Like I was starting to stand. I started to walk. and But not, not anything to do with me. So when he said that, he was the one healing me. So that's when I found my faith. I see. So that's the formula. Mm. I see. Now, what kept you busy when you were on the recovery stage? What are you doing right now? Now I'm now like yes. this time. Mm -hmm. Fourteen years after that, I'm a stay home dad. I stay see. home dad. Mm -hmm. uh, me and my wife move around a lot because of her job, I see. and uh, we don't have family around, so I stay home. Mm -hmm. Especially during the pandemic, we took the kids out of school so they can stay home. So we, so I had to stay home. But I before see. that, I was driving Uber. Oh, just driver for uber I but see. the crazy thing uh that was part of the reason why i also started to write rewrite this book because i would tell my story to people i drove and they were so inspired that they 
actually would contact me and say that was a blessing to them and uh thank you for telling me the, my, my story and it and it became and then, and I started to become a little motivational speaker when the people I met through Uber yes. I would speak at certain events for them and they would pay me uh, mm-hmm. I also did that in Manila for a little bit when I used to come back uh yes. thanks to Tony who uh introduced me to the motivational speaking circuit and he I guess he's doing that now yes. he's telling his story mm-hmm. um, but yeah so during there now that's what I've, I've been doing but now during this pandemic it gave me time to actually really heal from all the trauma that i was still carrying and write this book mm-hmm. and that's what i share in this book is uh actually my healing journey uh in these pages i wrote now if the accident didn't occur uh how long do you see yourself playing in the pba uh my goal was at least 10 to 12 mm. 8 to 12 maybe yeah you know so that was my uh, that was the goal, but obviously it ended at three, almost four. Okay. Now, would you you know you said you have your you have children already, right? And uh, would you encourage your children to play basketball? Oh, absolutely! My, this is a free freak accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see them play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would love for them to carry that on, but uh, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't force them to. Um, mm-hmm. Because they might you know, ask one day, what happened to you? And I tell them I got hurt playing basketball. And then oh, yeah. who knows? They might not want to play, but I would never push them to play. No, right. yeah. but I would love for them to. Now, was there a time that you thought of giving up, considering it's not an easy to accept that, uh, that your dreams suddenly came to an end? You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wanted, I, get, I wanted to give up so many times. So many times I want to actually, I, I mean, I, I tell in the book or I, I've told this in different interviews that I mm-hmm. even tried to kill myself uh, by taking all my pills. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. It was so dark that uh, it was around the time my girlfriend left me at the time. Mm-hmm. I knew my career was over. I just didn't see it. I light out. And then uh, I almost, I almost did it. I almost, almost, I, I had so many pills right next to me and I just wanted to give it up because that it felt like my life was a movie. You see this stuff in the movie, but I was actually living it. And yes, I've always wanted to just stay asleep because my, when I was asleep, I would have dreams mm-hmm. and I was happy during my dreams. And there's days I woke up crying. So mm-hmm. definitely I wanted to give up. Okay. Now you have written a book uh, with this sure. due, due to be released by next month, October. Yeah. Uh, can you share it to us? What is it all about? It's all about my journey. Um, mm-hmm. Journey about how I fell in love with basketball, how I healed from it. Uh, mm-hmm. We sometimes, uh, my biggest failure I talk about is not knowing who I was outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. I put all my eggs in one basket. Uh, I was, like I mentioned earlier, I had learning disabilities, so I didn't really try too hard in school or any academics or any other mm-hmm. skills. I only concentrated on basketball and I put everything in that and it was stripped away. And I didn't know who I was. And obviously, after I got, that was stripped away, I became a quadriplegic, a disabled mm-hmm. man. And that became my identity. And uh, I think the process of writing this book, this is actually the third time, was I had a vision two years ago on my birthday uh, mm-hmm. of uh, a light trying to shine. And I was having dreams of trying to shine, but that had so much trauma and trauma on me. And uh, trauma, even accolades that were covering me from showing who my real self was. So I write about shedding all these things and 
I write about forgiveness and I write about my faith, how I found my faith. And it's basically a journey to almost a guide to help people go through their own problems, especially with this pandemic. Uh, we are all prisoners at home right now. So might as well lean in and kind of heal whatever you, you think uh, you should sit alone and, you know, kind of work, do the work to try to find that healing that you still carry. You said you started, I mean, this is the third try that you have for this, for a book. What are the yeah. challenges that you encountered? Because I can only imagine how hard it is recalling the experience. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the reason uh, it's the third try, the first time uh, when I went back to the Manila, Tony said, write a book. So then I was mm -hmm. like, what am I going to write about? So I basically wrote about um, my youth, all the way up to the present day of when I was writing after the act, my playing career, then the accent, write about it. But there was no depth. There was no, there was no substance in the book. It was just telling the story. And, uh, and I felt like there was no power, transformative power in that. Like, I don't, I don't think it would inspire anyone. That's maybe me just getting in the way mm -hmm. of uh, not letting people know my story. Or And then the second time was like, people would always come up to me or they still do, you know, you're such an inspiration for just continuing. And, and I was just like, I felt like I was such an imposter and I was doing the work to become inspiration, but I'm just not feeling it. And like I said, I felt like an imposter. Yes. This third time writing the book was uh, actually having a true, tr true transformation and redemptive mm -hmm. power through God that he made me, sit in my in during this pandemic pandemic and uh really get into my feelings and emotions that i was still carrying and the trauma that i still had that uh, i would never healed from and i wrote about it and it actually healed me as i i wrote these words on these pages these past two years and the pandemic helped where it actually i actually got to finish it okay so uh eugene could you i mean the floor is yours to promote your book and uh, where can we, you know, purchase it or how, how can we get it? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, my book is called Ready to Rise, uh, From Paralysis to Liberation, the Eugene Tejada Story. It will be out in uh, maybe late October, as earliest as October 30th, maybe first week of November. Um, just iron out the details and formatting of the book. You can find it probably, it's going to be on Amazon and all digital uh platforms kindle ibooks uh i don't know what the android one is but you mm -hmm. can find all the digital ones and uh you can follow me on eugene tahada 33 on instagram same with twitter and there's a facebook page for my book and uh i'll have uh up to date date details on when book the book will come out and uh yeah yes so we're looking forward to that i'm i am looking forward to to get one of those uh, once it becomes available. So, uh, you have any message to your fans, to your family, to all the supporters that, I mean, you have touched? Oh, sure. Uh, thank you to all the friends in the Philippines, uh, my friends and family that stuck by me. Uh, I wouldn't be here without you guys and definitely to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who saved me uh, in my dark days and uh, brought the light into me so that I can be a light to everyone and share my story and hopefully it can help people heal. Um, but my message to everyone was like, who are you after you, who are you behind all your accolades and all your traumas and all your, 
just imagine everything gets stripped away, just like happened to me. Who are you? I, and I, I invite you to find who you are inside and not the baggage that you carry and you think that you are. Uh, mm-hmm. I just invite you to just heal from the inside out. And uh, I feel like everyone should submit to God and he'll show you true freedom like you've never known before. This is just like a hot seat, something like that. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what is the fondest memory of playing in the league, in the PBA? Fondest memory? Yes. Is uh, being drafted. Being drafted. That, was, uh, that just knowing that your professional dream had started and it came true. Now, if we were, back then, if we were to check your sports bag, what thing would we see that will surprise us? Candy. Candy. I had a lot of candy all the time. <laughs> gummy bears. I was a big gummy bear guy. I always it, had something it, gummy. Is it allowed? You know, because the basketball players are, let's say, are are conscious about their, you know, their health. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was my first few years on Alaska. I was a little chubby. I see. Chubby. Yeah, That's yeah, why I, I was. That. I was a, well. They wanted me to play power forward, and I mm-hmm. never played power forward. So I, I, I put on muscle and. And with more fat than muscle, let's just be honest. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could still remember that because you're standing six foot five inches, and of course, if, in the Philippines, you know, if you stand six five, you would be more on the front court already, <laughs> power yeah. forward center. You you seem to be, you know, fit. What what's your weight right now? My weight, yeah. my weight's only one one eighty five. I'm wow. I'm so, heavy. I'm heavy into the ketogenic diet. Yes. Uh, more for the, more for the not the weight loss, but mm-hmm. more for the for the brain. I see. Uh, it's it's good for your brain. The uh, ketogenic diet. I see. Now, uh, I have names of persons here. You describe them in one to four words. One, one word will be fine. Yeah. One word will be fine. Okay. Coach Ryan Gregorio. He gave me a chance. <laughs> uh, Coach Tim Cohn. Genius. Danny Siegel. Dynamite. Harvey Curry. Deep. <laughs> Alex Compton. Mentor. Coach Bo Perasol. Bo Perasol. Don't really know him. Sorry. I know who <laughs> he is, but didn't yeah. get to know. Uh, kind. Because uh, I remember he... Uh, he helped me out when I was in a, when I first came back, he heard my story and gave me a little bit of money to help me with therapy. And uh, so I would say kind, generous. I see. And of course, Jimmy Alapag. The Mighty Mouse <laughs> leader for sure. I see. Okay. So I guess that's, that wraps up our episode for extra session. Thank you so much, Eugene. I know you've been doing a lot of things and of course you're busy promoting your book. We yeah. look forward to, you know, to purchasing that uh, purchasing or getting that copy of your book once it's out we'll stay tuned and of course once it's available we'll also promote it so for everyone to to actually know and you know have a chance to get a copy of it so we would like to thank you your recovery will serve a big inspiration to everyone else thank you so much your determination is something else and we look forward for another, you know, interview sometime near future. Sure, yeah. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my story and help promote uh, the book. Um, I hope it's a blessing to you and to anyone that gets the chance to read it, as it was a blessing for me just to write it and heal from my, uh, from my own wounds. Okay. So in behalf of the Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Philippines, 
This is Kiko Malikdem and like what I said always at the end of the show, games are always exciting when there is extra session. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out www.guerillapodcast.com.au or guerillapodcast.com.ph A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com.